Hi, I'm Maria Theohara Solvelo Sos on social media. Welcome to Soul Organized Style Podcast. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. Many thanks for the ongoing support from the Patreon community for Soul Organized Style Podcast. Your ongoing support every month keeps me developing these podcasts so you and our listeners can hear from sewers from all walks of life. For anyone who sews, the Sewer 50 Instagram account editors want to see your makes for September. When you post your latest makes on Instagram, continue to use the hashtag Sewer 50 as well as the hashtag Sewer 50 September, all one word. Currently, there are over 243,000 posts using the tag Sofa50. We'll find you faster in September when you also use the tag Sofa50 September. We hope to see your makes more often during the month of September. Now back to this series of podcasts to give you a taste of the range of textile artists in the next Making Zen online retreat from the 25th to the 29th of September this year. Whether you're looking to get out of that creative rut or want some me time or simply want to learn a new technique, this online retreat is one to consider. Dyeing fabrics has lots of challenges. You know that you can use organic material from your home to dye fabrics with, right? And so we're doing a surface design technique where we're going to paint a design using soy milk. Aruna Kunarai is presenting Dye, Stitch and Sew at the next Making Zen Online Retreat. Aruna, thank you for coming onto the podcast for the Making Zen Online Retreat. It's a real honour to meet you today. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you online? They can find me at www.buko.com. That's B-O-O-K-H-O-U. And that would be the same name for all my social media and my YouTube channel. Oh, great. Okay. What started you down the path of being a textile artist? Originally, I went to art school and I wasn't destined, he would say, to be a textile artist. I actually went to school for sculpture and my main material was ceramics. I worked with a lot of hard materials like metal and wood and all different kinds of things. When I went to grad school and I had my first critique, I was really struggling And one of the questions that I was asked by my professor was, if you can remember your first sort of memory of making, what was it that you were doing and what was it that brought you joy? I immediately thought about the time that I spent with my mother while she was sewing. My mother, she was very industrious and she made all of our clothes and she spent a lot of her free time at a sewing machine sewing. And I would sit beside her, either hand sewing or sometimes I would get to use her machine and cutting fabrics and playing with fabrics. It really gave me a sense of peace in a very meditative way. And so from that point on in school, I started experimenting with different textiles. I was doing stitch work. I was doing crochet. I was doing all these different kinds of textile materials. And then when I graduated from school, I did some work teaching I spent a lot of time doing my sculptural work and how I got into doing production textiles was I accepted a artist residency at a place called Harborfront Centre and it's a place in Toronto by the water. It's a place that's sponsored by the government and it has studios for 
textiles, ceramics, glass, and jewelry. And so I was accepted into the textile program. The other studio residents were doing things like weaving and printing and dyeing, all these different things I never really had a lot of exposure to. I sort of learned through them, you know, doing my first textile screen prints and learned to do some dyeing and some other things. And then that same year that I entered that residency, I just started making production pieces like bags and pillows and different textile goods. And there's a craft show in Toronto called the One of a Kind Show. So I set up a little tiny booth. They had like really large booths, but then there's this area called Rising Stars and people who've never done a craft show there got to be in that area. And it was a little bit less money. And I literally, I got my husband to make me this little like rack and I had a little ironing board. It was very hodgepodge. And then I ended up selling everything at the booth. And then I realized that I can make a living selling, you know, these textile pieces because my sculptural work, they were like large installations. And a lot of it wasn't really meant to be in people's homes. And the only way I can make a living doing that was like writing for grants and then teaching. And I just felt like that was just not really where I wanted to be spending a lot of my time. I really wanted to be making And so this sort of entry point into doing production work was really fulfilling. At the time, like this is when the internet was at its infancy. This is over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the only time you could really sell work was in person. So after doing the one of a kind show for a couple of years, I started writing a blog and I was getting interest from people like in Europe, Australia, all these different places. And they couldn't get access to my work because I was only selling at craft shows. And so I decided, okay, maybe I should look into selling online. And this was before Etsy was around, before any of these e-commerce shops. So I, I spent hours, painful hours, learning to code so that I can design my own website because I couldn't afford to pay somebody to design a website. It was costing thousands of dollars. And so I learned to do coding, just learn basic things. And I was able to set up a web shop And it's interesting because now our business is mostly online. It's pretty much 100% online. We've cut out craft shows because John and I are both too old to be, you know, schlepping bins of things to craft shows and setting up the craft shows. Yeah, so we're mostly online now. So it's really interesting to see how our business have changed and grown into a different thing. And then also sharing mostly online. So a lot of the people I meet, the things are all online and not like at a craft show. So that's pretty much how we kind of got to where we are today. That's amazing. You've really told the story of, you know, your story, but you've also told the story of how you've had to take on new skills to be able to get your craft to other people in a way that connects you not just to local people, but people internationally. Because the only time people could really read about your work at that time was if you were featured in a magazine. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I I started writing a blog because it was, you know, it was hard to get featured in a magazine. Like you had to be somebody who was, you know, really established, not somebody that was just trying to start a business. The blog was very much about my daily life, about, you know, I had just had my son, he was just a baby. And just about being a working mom and trying to start a business. And I was also teaching at the Art Gallery of Ontario, and that's where I met my husband. And so we were both still teaching there while we were trying to start our business. And not until I was pregnant with my second child that we decided to go completely full time. 
And I always describe that time as the scariest time, but also probably the best decision we've ever made, because it's one of those things where you kind of hang on to things that you feel that are really secure. And it's really scary to kind of delve into an area that you really aren't sure what's going to happen. Shortly after we had kind of decided to go full time, there was this recession, not as bad as probably after COVID, but a recession. But then what we discovered was we actually did better than we thought we would because it was also a time when people were starting to think about where they were spending their money and that they wanted to support handmade. They wanted to support local. They didn't want to go to a big box store and buy things. So even though they didn't have a lot of money, they were thinking how they were spending their money. So we were okay during the recession. That's good. And it sounds like the people who come to you might also be thinking of how they can be sustainable I also found too that one of the things that grew our business was this sort of idea of handmade. Like we made everything in our studio. We had probably so many opportunities to outsource, to get things done overseas and like really mass produce. And it never felt right to us because John and I started off as both artists. The production side was things that we would want to have in our homes. And we, and we liked the idea that you could see the hand of the maker and it wasn't this thing that was cheaply produced and mass produced because it just didn't feel like it was the right thing for us. And I'm really glad we stuck with that because that attracts people to the work that we do is that you could sense that someone's made it and, and you could sense also the love and care that is put into each piece, which is very rare now because so many things are done elsewhere. So that sounds like the values that you both cherish are the values that you put into your business and you've seen how people embrace that. Yes, yes. The funny thing is, as we're getting older, we're also now thinking of going backwards. We have a plan to move from our studio and our home in Toronto to Montreal in Quebec. We plan on moving completely away from production work and focusing solely on art-based work. So kind of the things that we were doing prior to the production, because building our business, it afforded us time and space to save money from doing the production that will allow us time to spend on pieces that might take longer to sell, or we don't sell as many, but it's going to be a lot more joyful because it's not this repetition of production, but more about thinking about ideas in a larger realm. And I have this dream of being a quilter. I've always loved making patchwork and making wall pieces. So I really have this dream of working on larger scale pieces and one of a kind pieces. And I try to do that with my business now. Every so often I will have original pieces because for me, it's like a break from the production because you can only sit and make hundreds of pouches for so long without feeling like you're going to lose your mind. So you have to kind of break up that time with doing something that maybe takes a little bit longer and, and a little bit different technique. From all of your experiences and say so your art background, production through to larger works, what are you going to bring to us at the Making Zen Online Retreat? What can we learn from you? Well, what I'd like to do with that workshop is to show a variety of techniques and things that I find interesting right now. And one of the things that I love doing is trying different techniques to create a surface design. 
And I also like the idea of creating things that doesn't require a lot of equipment, doesn't require for you to buy different supplies and materials and just use what you have on hand. And so we're doing a surface design technique where we're going to paint a design using soy milk. And the soil milk is a binder that is used in natural dyeing. And what it does is it makes the color bind better. And so it becomes darker. So if you were to dye something, you would visibly see it as a darker image. Rather than binding the entire cloth, we're going to just paint on the cloth a variety of different images. And then we're going to dye that. You can either use avocado pits or onion skins or, you know, whatever you kind of have on hand. And then we're going to use the fabric and quilt it together and do some stitch work around the image and make a little pouch. And I'm going to be showing a technique that I do that's really interesting where when you sew it, you don't get any sewn edges on the side. Everything's very clean. So it's a combination of creating a surface design, some embroidery and some sewing. So those are the three different areas that I feel very strongly about. So the project combines those elements. And I know that people who have been to the Making Zen Online Retreat, when they take on those techniques, they're going to combine them with all of the other techniques that they learn at the retreat. And then going onto the Facebook group, I think, Aruna, you're going to be astounded by the variety of ways that people use the techniques from your workshop. Yes, definitely. And that's one of the things that I'm really excited to see is that there's so much exploration on how they're going to create their images and then whatever they use to die with. And everyone is going to be learning the same techniques, but the results will be all different and unique. And also these projects can be adapted to create larger pieces and further help them kind of explore different ways of creating surface designs. And I think that that's what I'm hoping that they'll get from the workshop. Aruna, what do you hope people will take away with them from your workshop? Well, I hope what they take away from this is to see how I've embraced creativity and handmade and my love for textiles. And I hope that what they get from it is feeling that and that also feeling that what they learn will help them to go on their own exploration and their own journey and see what else sort of can be unpacked by experiencing it. That's what I'm hoping. Aruna, you're making it sound so exciting to be at this upcoming Making Zen Online retreat. The experience that you have and the passion that you have for what you do is going to be something that everyone who attends will get something out of. So I'm really excited to be at the Making Zen Online retreat this time around. So thank you so much for being on the podcast for it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope that listeners understand that Aruna will be one of the many textile artists who's going to be at the Making Zen Online Retreat that I hope you will get something out of and are inspired to keep creating. Well, thank you so much again. <laughs> this podcast series is produced and edited by me, Maria Thea Harris, in partnership with Kate of Zen Stitching, sound by bensound.com. Make sure you subscribe to Solve Your Nice Soul Podcasts on all good podcast apps. If you want to hear from previous Making Zen Online Retreat guest textile artists, they're also available in our archive. And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. The Making Zen Online Retreat is in September 
from the 25th to the 29th. We look forward to joining you at the Making Zen Online Retreat. Stay safe, everyone.